is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen... The world is very weird and getting weirder by the day. Is it not? The media are weird and getting weirder by the day. So I guess I'm supposed to spend time today, tomorrow, all week talking about Roseanne Barr. I don't talk about Roseanne Barr. I didn't talk to her before or about her before. When her TV show was hot, and conservatives and others were just very, very excited and trying to project Uh, all kinds of theories and ideas on top of her as they have Kanye West. I don't do that. I leave it to everybody else. So Roseanne Barr is out. She's gone. She's paid the price. Joy Reid lives on. Louis Farrakhan still supports Democrats, and they support him. I mean, what Roseanne Barr tweeted was pretty disgusting. And what Joy Rita tweeted was pretty disgusting. I don't hear Wanda Sykes on Louis Farrakhan. Maybe she's spoken about Louis Farrakhan. I don't know. No, I'm not deflecting. I'm not defending in the least. I don't know any of these people. They don't matter to me. But like you, I sit back and I watch this. And I just think to myself, we have a country in enormous turmoil. We have enemies rising up against us. And it's all turned into, uh, you know, these, these what, what are these shows? Something Hollywood and TMZ and all the rest of it. That's what we've turned into. And that way, you know, TV hosts can get on their high horses and attack people and complain about it and lecture us. Columnists can do the same. People tweeting can do the same. And I could care less. I didn't watch any of the Roseanne Barr shows. I didn't watch them decades ago, and I didn't watch them lately. I don't even know what her philosophy is. It doesn't matter to me. And so she tweeted out whatever she tweeted out. She paid the price, and she's out. Good. Fine. Whatever. But I don't understand why Joy Reid is still around with all her homophobic, vicious attacks. I don't understand why Louis Farrakhan is still embraced by Democratic candidates, including Barack Obama and his secret photo, when he's the most vile, poisonous Jew hater that I've heard in 50 years. But I want to move on. A number of people have sent me a couple, a couple of articles today, which I posted on my social site. And I want to read this story to you. And I'll tell you why I'm reading it to you. This is why I write. This is why I'm behind a microphone. This is why I'm behind a television camera. John David Rice Cameron can trace his conservative roots to his middle school years. Now, who is he? You're about to find out. 
Back then, his father would often have talk radio on during rides home from school or tennis practice. He said, sometimes my dad, and this is from the, uh, uh, what is this from? Thecollegefix.com. Sometimes my dad would listen to Rush Limbaugh, and he would kind of argue with him. Recalls Rice Cameron, 20, a sophomore at Stanford University. I just found myself agreeing, basically, with everything Rush Limbaugh was saying. Now, I'll read on like others don't. Rice Cameron's parents are Democrats. His mother, Susan Rice, served in the Obama administration, first as U.S. ambassador, then as national security advisor. But despite his parents' political leanings, he said they believe extensively in debate and engaging the other side and exposing people to different viewpoints. Rice Cameron started listening to talk radio on his own. That's when he discovered Mark Levin, saying the firebrand pundit became his, quote, ultimate political hero, unquote. Quote, he'd talk about John Locke, and so I'd go and read some John Locke. He'd talk about John Smith, so I'd go and read John Smith. He'd talk about the Federalist Papers, so I'd read those, Rice Cameron said. I discovered the intellectual roots of liberty. That is exactly what we do here. Fast forward to today. Rice Cameron, recently described by one campus publication as Stanford's most outspoken political provocateur, is taking his passion for liberty and advancing it at Stanford University, his mother's alma mater, as president of the college Republicans. He told the college fix, if we are going to promote the liberty movement, if the liberty movement's going to succeed, we need to do something about these college campuses. We need to ensure the liberty movement is heard. And it goes on. And he's very supportive, as am I, of uh, Charlie Kirk's group, Turning Point USA, Candace Owens, who is just a terrific young lady, and so forth. Now, he goes on to say, Rice Cameron had a hand in all of it. Three months ago, he became the group's president, that is, college Republicans. His activism has been inspired in part by the Tea Party movement calling its platform true constitutional conservative. And you still have the Tea Party patriots out there with Jenny Beth Martin, who still do a wonderful job. And what does his mother, one of President Obama's chief lieutenants, think of her son's beliefs and actions? He said she and I disagree on a number of things, and we agree on a lot. She has always set an example of principle entering public service for the right reasons, because you care, because you want to serve your country. Those are the kind of leaders I see in people like Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan, the House Freedom Caucus, he's added. I'll even say that about President Obama. He had some pretty destructive ideas. Most of his policies were wrongheaded. I think he's an honorable man who entered politics for the right reasons, despite having ideas and principles I have a hard time swallowing. Rice Cameron had been a Cruz supporter during the primary and even called the Mark Levin show to talk to his political hero about it. It was one of two times Rice Cameron spoke on air to, quote-unquote, the great one. Another time they spoke about an op-ed Rice Cameron wrote for the Stanford Review headline, Students for Justice in Palestine Linked to Terrorist Affiliate. Levin shared the column on social media, and it made Rice Cameron's day. The radio show host had no idea he was Rice's son. I had no idea up until I read this piece. And it goes on. And we have linked to it on the, uh, my various social sites. There's a much longer piece. Uh, a much longer piece 
in the in stanfordpolitics.org, as you can imagine. I printed it out. It was 16 pages long. But he really is intellectually curious, as am I, as are you out there. And it says in this piece, Rice Cameron identifies the Tea Party as his first exposure to a bold articulation of true conservative principles. He talks about the early impact the radio host uh, Rush Limbaugh had on his political beliefs, and he points to Mark Levin, another arch-conservative radio host and author, quote-unquote, this is the writer, uh, as the person who had the most profound influence on his worldview. And there's a, a little stack of the books that he uses for its, quote, intellectual firepower. He's got Glenn Beck's Liars. He's got Adios America by Coulter. He's got Mike Lee's Our Lost Constitution. Uh, and he's got Plundering the Sea, my book, and Rediscovering Americanism. As a matter of fact, uh, he recommended to his mother that she should read Rediscovering Americanism. It's a good young man. Anyway, I point these things out. And by the way, I'm happy to read the names of the other hosts, the names of the other authors and so forth. I have nothing to hide here. I'm confident in myself. I'm confident in these other people. People who do different shows or write different kinds of books. I do what I do because this is the way I do it. Now, I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. It's what I said earlier. When I sit down and write a book, I have to make decisions about not just the subject, not just the chapters eventually and so forth. I have to make a decision about how I write the book. Some books are tougher than other books. Some books are meant for a wider audience than some of the other books. Liberty and Tyranny as an example, Plunder and Deceit as another example, were written for a very broad audience. Liberty and Tyranny, I felt it was time for a restatement of conservatism as well as a restatement of statism, a.k.a. progressivism. You had people like John McCain and Mitt Romney running around claiming to be conservatives. I knew that wasn't true. I'm talking about the 2008 election. And in Ameritopia, and especially Rediscovering Americanism, these are tough books. Those are my two toughest books, if you want to read them. And they get into great detail about the history of this country, into certain philosophers, the impact they had on our founders and framers and uh, in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, the History of Progressivism, where they get their philosophy from and why it is so damaging to a constitutional republic that believes in individualism and private property rights and constitutionalism. And yet, if you go to Wikipedia, you won't recognize me. If you read what's there about me in Wikipedia, you will not recognize me. PBS did a TV show Two hours on conservatism, spent a lot of time on me, never spoke to me. You listen to what they play, you wouldn't recognize me. You'd have no idea what my views are other than, you know, from time to time when I pop off or something like that. That's all they have. If you go over to Media Matters and read what they say, and I don't recommend it because they are, in my view, a criminal front group with a hardcore left agenda and an anti-free speech agenda, you wouldn't recognize me. And yet what's interesting about all this, 
I'm on the air four hours most days, three hours on radio, one hour almost on Levin TV, give or take. And when you count Fox, obviously, that's another hour. Moreover, we have how many years of archives of my radio show on the Mark Levin Show website, Mr. Producer? You go back to 2011, seven years. Seven years. Anybody who wants to hear what I've said on any radio show, anybody who wants to hear what I've said on any Levin TV show, every episode's up there if you're a subscriber. Or, of course, anybody who wants to hear what I've said on my new show on Fox, you can go online. It's all there. I don't need interpreters on the left who do not have as their purpose to engage in intellectual, substantive debate about philosophy, economics, history, constitutionalism, tyranny, and any of it. They don't want to debate it. Instead, they want to destroy you. Instead, they want to destroy you. This is why I condemn any notion that the modern media, the modern American media, are protecting freedom of the press. Of course, they're not protecting freedom of the press. They're advancing an agenda. How are they protecting freedom of the press? They're not. Or you can see today. What's going on with Roseanne Barr? Again, I, I am, I'm not a special pleader here. I don't tweet stuff like these people tweet. That said, how do they justify Roseanne Barr out? Fine by me, I don't care. But Joanne Reed in, still, over at MSNBC. How do the Democrats justify their love affair with Louis Farrakhan? They refuse to condemn him. Absolutely refuse to condemn him. Or Keith Ellison, the number two at the DNC. He's the coach. He's the deputy chairman. The man has absolute solid links to Farrakhan and anti-Semitism, and there he is. The deputy chairman of the DNC, and they'll never touch him. How is that possible? Why is that okay? And you will not hear Republicans trash any of these people. Joy Reid, Louis Farrakhan, Keith X. Why not? Consistency is a good thing sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. But I want to salute this young man, John David Rice Cameron. Maybe we'll bring him on the show soon, Mr. Producer. I mean, the truth is he's respectful to his parents. Susan Rice is quite famous, public figure, a controversial in the eyes of many, including me, worked very, very closely with uh, Obama, still is often on TV and so forth, advancing a relatively left-wing agenda. And her son is none of those things. So that means he has to be especially strong-willed and thoughtful and in many ways self-educated through readings and listening to programs and so forth like this. And I think it's important that he's respectful to his parents. What do you think about that? Even though he may disagree with them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. telling you the country's weird and getting weirder because the left has a vice grip on it. So two guys are arrested in Philadelphia by the Philadelphia Police Department. I still don't understand why they were arrested. Because they're African Americans? Is that why? And so Starbucks shuts down 8,000 of its coffee places for sensitivity training. 
Now, keep in mind, this is a very left-wing company led by a very left-wing executive chairman. I think his name is Schultz or something. Schultz? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, just go somewhere else and buy your coffee and your donuts and your bagels. Just go somewhere else. You got Dunkin' Donuts. You got a zillion little mom and pop shops out there. Just because a knucklehead or two in in one of their thousands of franchises or store-owned coffee places does something stupid. Doesn't mean everybody needs sensitivity training. Doesn't mean every Starbucks is a crap hole. Although I rarely go. I go now now and then. I shouldn't even tell you this. For the donut. The old-fashioned donut. I mean, why would you buy coffee at a place that calls the tall coffee when it's the shortest coffee? You don't understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? I, I, I mean, like, the tall is the short? I mean, what's that all about? Plus, you can drink this stuff. And I'm not taking calls on the Starbucks. I don't care. But day in and day out, I got to watch this on TV. Day in and day out. Roseanne Barr, good. Roseanne Barr, bad. Day in and day out. Same crap. I'll be right back. Liberty's Voice. Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, there is an ABC This Week reporter this week anyway. Her name is Raditz, Martha Raditz. You probably heard of her. And, of course, she had the Obamas at her wedding because why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? All in the same social circles. Uh, Martha Raditz would never be tough on Barack Obama or Michelle Obama. But what's going on with Marco Rubio? I want you to listen to this. This is Marco Rubio on ABC's This Week Sunday with Martha Raditz, the friend of the Obamas. Cut one, go. Based on what you have seen... Is the president telling the truth? So I think the president is facing these, uh, and, and his lawyers are reacting. They're, they're responding to what, what they're facing and the things that are happening to them. I can tell you what I know. Number one, if there is an FBI informant or any sort of inappropriate action that's been taken targeting a political campaign, the presidents or any, we want to know about it and it should be punished. As far as what I have seen to date, it appears that there was an investigation not of the campaign, but of certain individuals who have a history that we should be suspicious of that predate the presidential campaign of 2015, 2016. And when individuals like that are in the orbit of a major political campaign in America, the FBI, who is in charge of counterintelligence investigations, should look at people like that. Really, really, they should look at people like that. And how should they look at them? Keep it right there. And how should they look at them? With a FISA warrant? Ginned up? Through opposition research paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC? Is that how we should look at them? How about this? How about unmasking? How about unmasking of individuals in Trump world and leaking their names to the media? Is that how we should look into them? Well, let me ask you this. How about informants? Confidential informants. Those are called spies, and we all know it. I'm sick and tired of the games with the nomenclature. Spies. Is that how we're supposed to do it, Senator Rubio? And what's the pretext here? That Carter Page 
has gone to seminars in Russia? I'm quite serious. That uh, the Trumps may have tried to do or did business in Russia? So that's the basis for a counterintelligence investigation where you throw the whole sink, uh, kitchen sink, a FISA warrant? Well, obviously nothing's happened to Carter Page, so that was a fraud. The dossier? Obviously that's not reliable, so that was a fraud. The Yale law, prof- uh, excuse me, the Yale professor? Well, he didn't come up with anything, so that's a fraud too. They're in the orbit of Russia? That's good enough? You're in the orbit of Russia? Well, Hillary Clinton and her husband are in the orbit of Russia, considering what the Clinton Foundation got from the Russians, millions and millions of dollars. Considering Uranium One, they're in the orbit of Russia. Are they not in the orbit of Russia? Go ahead. They're not investigating the campaign. They're investigating those people. In fact, so you're saying President Trump was wrong? I have seen. And by the way, listen to her. She could care less. Trump's wrong, right? right? Come on, come on. You're doing a good job. You're slashing and burning. Now Trump is wrong. Correct? Correct, Senator? Go ahead. That, that those people were part of an investigation on the campaign. If that exists, I would want to know about it. We should all know about it. And if that, that would be wrong, and we should, we should do something about it. But up to now, what I have seen is evidence that they were investigating individuals with a history of links to Russia that were concerning. And that was appropriate if that's all that happened. Wow, so in other words, we're investigating Russians and Russia. And interestingly enough, ladies and gentlemen, I thought the Russians hacked into the DNC's database. Well, then why didn't we have confidential FBI informants investigating Russia placed within the DNC? I've pointed this out some days ago because we had a brilliant caller pointed out. And so now it's all over Fox, as you would expect. But let me continue. Why didn't we have... A confidential informant, certainly not a spy, in the Hillary campaign, in the Jill Stein campaign, over there at the DNC. Because keep in mind, the purpose of this is to stop the Russians, not to investigate a campaign. Now, how stupid is this? We have a special counsel investigating the Trump family, Trump businesses, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition. We have no special counsel investigating anything related to the Russians and the DNC to the Russians and Hillary and and Bill Clinton and all the rest of it? None. So I don't know what Marco Rubio's problem is. He hasn't seen anything, so I guess there's nothing to see. Over there at the Senate Intelligence Committee. I say clean that damn committee out and put some people on there who can actually see. Then there's Adam Schiff. Same show. ABC's This Week. ABC protecting... Freedom of the press, ladies and gentlemen, with their selection of guests. Adam Schiff. Like a bad rash. Cut to go. There is no evidence to support that spy theory. Uh, this All is- right, it's over. There's no evidence to support it. Adam Schiff, who's been right about everything. He was the leader in exposing the FISA application. Oh, he wasn't. He was the leader in exposing Hillary Clinton's campaign in the DNC behind the dossier. Oh, he wasn't. He was the leader in exposing Jim Comey leak it. Oh, he wasn't. He was the leader in chasing down the unmasking of American citizens. Oh, he wasn't. That Adam Shifty Shiftless, he is something else. I don't know. If I'm in the media, he's my number one guest. 
I want to know what he has to say. Now, keep something in mind. These so-called news shows pick the guests they obviously want to appear on their show. So they bring in Adam Schiff endlessly, constantly, not because he adds anything, but because he says what they want you to hear. He says what they want you to hear. Go ahead. A, a piece of propaganda the president wants to put out and repeat. Uh, and certainly, president didn't put this propaganda out, you fool. The New York Times put this propaganda out. It had it leaked with this rogue cabal of FBI agents. None of us would have known about the physical presence of a confidential informant or a spy if the New York Times hadn't written the story it wrote for the very purpose of protecting the rogue FBI agents who were involved in this and the Obama administration. That's why they did it. President didn't make it up. President didn't make up the fact that there was surveillance over a year ago. It's all been true. But let's bring Adam Schiff on because nobody better than he to explain what's taking place. Go ahead. In this pattern before, the president will suggest something. He prefaces it by saying people are saying or people are saying. They use James Clapper, who we who we listened to a little earlier. Listen James Clapper this week said they were spying on a term I don't particularly like, but on what the Russians were doing. So we're back to that word spy. Oh, yeah. see, Raditz to the defense. Raditz, the uh, wedding where she had the Obamas. Raditz to the... Why is she still on TV? Shouldn't she be fired if she had the Obamas to her wedding? I mean, seriously, folks, is this a joke? The media are a complete joke. Go ahead. They put this out there, uh, and then they say, well, now that it's out there, we need to investigate it. Uh, even uh, Senator Rubio this morning saying, well, we should look in and find out if this is true. But this is... Good job, of- Marco. Obviously, uh... You don't see what all the rest of us see. Did he read the New York Times piece? Did he read the Washington Post piece? We all know who the professor is now, Stephen Halper. Is he of any curiosity whatsoever? No. This is why the Democrats always win in these battles. This is why they always win. Because Republicans want to appear reasonable. And in order to appear reasonable, you have to be irrational when it comes to the media. You have to buy into their irrational positions. A confidential informant is a spy. How did the confidential informant get involved? The FBI put him there. If the FBI didn't put him there, he wouldn't be a confidential informant, a.k.a. he wouldn't be a spy. Now, this is basic stuff. Most kids taking the LSAT better get this right, or they'll get a very low score. But if you're a senator or a congressman, apparently it doesn't matter. Now, why do we have to listen to Adam Schiff when he is nothing but a complete hack, a propagandist, a demagogue? He has sat there as the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee doing the work of whom? Ready for this? The Russians. The Russians. It's Nunes who's trying to get to the bottom of this. Nunes. It's Jordan. It's DeSantis. It's a handful of others trying to get to the bottom of this. Trying to get to the real Russian involvement in our election. It's people like Adam Schiff who won't permit it. Because the real involvement of the Russians in our election is not a road that goes through the Trump campaign. That should be obvious to anybody. Nobody's been indicted for it. There's no crime associated with it. The news media hasn't come up with any serious stories about it. And yet Russia was interfering with our campaign. But 
What did we find out when we were looking at the Russians interfering with our campaign? What did I figure out? What is Mr. Nunes chasing, among others? That the Obama administration, the federal government, interfered in our election. And they interfered in it in a huge way. In a huge way. Using the FBI, the CIA, national intelligence, and all the rest of them. And, of course, the media in this country can't really say that. Why? Why? Well, first of all, they're ideologically driven. But what's the other reason? All these leakers, they're protecting all the leakers. The leakers are leaking to CNN. The leakers are leaking to ABC. The leakers are leaking to NBC, CBS, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post. That's who they leak to. And so they're protecting their sources. And they want to protect their sources because their sources have been going after Trump and his administration. But Marco doesn't see any of this. I'll be right back. Is there anybody out there? Let's stipulate something. I don't want the calls. I'm just playing along. Anybody out there who think Roseanne Barr's tweet was good? Anybody? Anybody out here who doesn't think it was deplorable? Okay. So why are we getting 24 hours coverage on this on news channels? Anybody out there think Joy Reid's tweets about homosexuals were good? In other words, anybody out there think that they were not bad? So why is she still working for NBC? Doesn't Comcast own NBC? Okay, Okay, why is she there? And then they project, you see. They project all of you folks out there who support Donald Trump, this is on you. Because you were talking up Roseanne Barr. And the president has created this environment. He was talking up Roseanne Barr. So you must all be racists. What? This is also why I am constantly warning folks, all of you, my brothers and sisters, you Levinites out there. Don't hang your hat on celebrities like this. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't know everything about them. You don't know what they're going to say and so forth and so on. And yet I see that happening too because people are so desperate to have people on TV and the movies and so forth agree with them. You need to be confident in your own beliefs. Doesn't mean you can't praise them from time to time. Just because you praise Roseanne Barr doesn't mean you agree with her tweet. Just because you're a Democrat doesn't mean you believe with what uh, Keith X did. It doesn't mean you embrace Farrakhan. doesn't mean you embrace Eric Schneiderman. doesn't mean you embrace Chappaquiddick and Ted Kennedy. doesn't mean you embrace Bill Clinton in the blue dress and all the rest of it. doesn't mean you embrace the Klan and, uh, oh, yeah, 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 we know about uh, all that in the 1920s and well before. doesn't mean you believe those things. All right. Have I addressed this enough? I think I have, Mr. Producer. I have condemned the tweet. Have I not? I think I have. It's a a repulsive tweet. Bring back Stormy Daniels. Let's get back to some normalcy here. Right, Mr. Producer? We need some normalcy back. Bring back 
the porn star and the uh, and the uh, porn lawyer, the slip and fall lawyer. Bring them all back. Then we can all feel comfortable again. Oh, finally. Back to them. Thank God. Mommy, what's a porn star? Daddy, what's a porn star? Uh, uh, sorry. Sorry, we'll take a pass on that. You know, for those who suffer from allergies, it seems like things are only getting worse and spring will never end, right? Pollen counts have hit record highs across the country and millions of people are miserable. You probably already know this because it feels like your face is about to fall off. Now, to make matters worse, a recent consumer study suggests that most Americans are unaware that new air filters help with sneezing and itchy eyes. Fight your allergies at the source. Instead of wasting money on pills, disgusting syrup, a shot in a bum uh, from your nurse ratchet. You need to visit my friends at filterby.com. Filterby.com. America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 sizes. And if you're one of those difficult people, they can make custom filters just for you. Plus, they ship for free within 24 hours. If that isn't enough, they're manufactured right here in America. So there's really no excuse to help yourself. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery. Just makes things, life easier. They come automatically on a schedule. You take out the old and you put in the new. And you'll be amazed how much crud is on those old filters. And additionally, you extend the life of your HVAC system. It's getting hotter outside. The last thing you need is a busted HVAC system on top of the allergies and on top of everything else. Save time. Save money. Breathe better. With FilterBuy.com. I know I do. That's FilterBuy.com. 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 And tell them Mark sent you. All right. Mr. Producer, do we have a brilliant caller waiting in the wings for us? In Chicago on the Mark Levin app, Jose, go, sir. Uh, hello, um, hello, Mike. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark. But thank you. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to call in about earlier about uh, uh, what you were saying about, uh, about Susan Rice, her son. Yes, and sir. I, I, that's actually funny because, okay, basically on a little story about me, the way how Chicago public schools, how they raise us, I yeah. mean, not raise, but how they try to indoctrinate us, saying yeah. that, you know, Democrats are basically our saviors. They are uh, for the common people and poor people and the evil Republicans are, uh, they teach us this in grammar school, from mm-hmm. grammar school to high school. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, about three years ago, uh, I started listening to your soul. And I started, uh, I'm actually a truck driver. I was going to the radio station and I looked like, oh, like, oh my God, like, like I started listening to you and like, and ever since then, about three years ago, I was listening to you every day. And, you know, I started realizing like, I'm actually a conservative, you know, like I believe in Christianity. I believe in my second amendment, right? And I don't think my gov- the government should intrude in my life. And, um, believe it or not, there's a lot of, more like more than people realize there's actually a lot of conservatives in chicago they're just a very uh what's the word there's, they're, uh, it, it is it's a very ethnic city people have come uh their ancestors come from very tough places 
and they've come here for freedom. And Jose, I'm going to tell you something. You really brighten my day, and I'm going to tell you why. I strongly believe if the Republican Party and these Republican candidates weren't such cowards, weren't so afraid of the founding principles, if they would just articulate them and try and apply them to modern life, it would move the country in the right direction. It would strengthen the Republican Party as a conservative, constitutionalist party. They'd win even more elections. But we don't get that, Jose. We don't get a clear understanding of what it means to be an American from the Republican Party. Thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, There's a very interesting piece written by George Will over the weekend. It was at National Review Online and probably in 500 other places. And I want to go over this with you. I don't want to just go over it with you to go over it with you. I want to go over it with you for a reason, which will become clear by the time we get to the end of it. The heading, the title of the piece is Taft, that is President William Howard Taft, the anti-populist. The 27th president resisted the progressive populism of Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson, he points out. No elaborate catchism is required to determine whether someone is a conservative. A single question, as simple as it is infallible, suffices. For whom would you have voted in the presidential election of 1912? That year, a former president and future president ran against the incumbent president, who lost, as did the country, which would have been much better off giving another term to William Howard Taft. Instead, it got Woodrow Wilson and the modern imperial presidency that has been prefigured by Taft's predecessor and second major opponent in 1912, Theodore Roosevelt. Well, we got more than the imperial presidency. We got the imperial federal government because... If you've read Ameritopia, many of you haven't, but I'll just tell you, uh, Wilson also believed in the enormous expansion of power of the federal judiciary. Anyway, he goes on. Taft won fewer electoral votes, eight, from Utah and Vermont. Eight. Then any Taft's presidents, well, this is out of order, perhaps. Hold on. Let me pull this up because I want to get this accurate. Just bear with me. Okay. Taft won fewer electoral votes uh, than any other incumbent president. Roosevelt carried six states, Wilson 40. Taft's presidency was bracketed by Roosevelt's and Wilson's, the progenitors of today's imperial presidency. Jeffrey Rosen, a law professor at George Washington University and the CEO of the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia. Guy's a big lib, by the way. Began writing his new appreciation of the 27th president. Let's see here. Boom, 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 boom. In January 2017, when the 45th president, that would be uh, uh, Trump, began inadvertently doing something useful. 
validating nostalgia for Taft, whom Rosen calls the only president to approach the office in constitutional terms above all. So, you see, Will hates Trump. Rosen hates Trump. But, of course, he wasn't the only president to approach the office in constitutional terms above all. Coolidge was another, as was Reagan. Wilson was the first president to criticize the American founding, particularly for the separation of powers that crimps presidential supremacy. I don't agree with that. Theodore Roosevelt was the first, if you're reading Rediscovering Americanism. He also attacked the, uh, the Declaration of Independence and twisted it, contorted it. Roosevelt believed that presidents are free to do whatever the Constitution does not forbid. Taft's constitutional modesty held the president should exercise only powers explicitly granted by the document. And I might add, Taft also supported the 16th and 17th Amendments. Even though he had nothing to do with them, he supported them. That is the federal income tax, and that is, of course, the, uh, re- uh, the repeal of the Senate as the Senate was founded in the uh, popular election of senators. Romanticizers of Roosevelt ignore his belief that no moral equivalent of war could be as invigorating as the real thing. And they celebrate him as a trust buster, taming corporate capitalism and a pioneering environmentalist. Rosen notes, however, that Taft extended federal environmental protection to more land than Roosevelt, and he created 10 national parks and brought more antitrust suits in one term than Roosevelt brought in nearly two. So I'm not understanding the point. So in some respects, Taft was more progressive than Roosevelt. One of Roosevelt's excuses for trying to regain the presidency was that Taft, who in 1911 brought an antitrust action against U.S. Steel, world's first billion-dollar corporation, then producing a quarter of the world's steel, was too aggressive in trust-busting. Roosevelt thought that in industry, big was beautiful because efficiency, Darwinian, if big government supervised it. And that's a fact. And actually, this is where Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson strongly disagreed on antitrust laws. They both strongly believed in antitrust laws. In fact, uh, some of the most powerful antitrust laws were passed under Theodore Roosevelt. But Roosevelt didn't per se have problems with monopolies as long as the federal government regulated them. In the case of Wilson, he wanted to break up these, these various companies and so forth. Now, Taft signed the first revision of tariffs, which are regressive taxes, since the 1890s, when they were raised by an average of 57%. His tariff message to Congress was just 340 words because he thought the Constitution and traditional political practice allowed presidents to recommend, but not lobby for, congressional action. Well, if that were the case, then we might not have had the 13th Amendment to the Constitution banning slavery. Because God knows Abraham Lincoln lobbied the hell out of Congress, particularly the House of Representatives. I mean, he lobbied the hell out of them to get uh, two-thirds of the members of the House to vote to amend the Constitution of the 13th Amendment. Just pointing that out. They go on about Taft, Will does. Such was his constitutional reticence. In his inaugural address, he referred to tariff reform as a suggestion only. Taft unsuccessfully resisted President William McKinley's entreaties that he become governor of the Philippines. Others wanted him to be president much more than he did. His aspiration achieved after the presidency was to be chief justice of the United States. 
As a reluctant president, he demonstrated that reluctance, which is vanishingly rare, is a recommendation for the office. In 1912, Roosevelt's new nationalism, and I wrote, write about this in Rediscovering Americanism, but I want to get to the point, promised populism rampant and a plebiscitary presidency untethered from constitutional inhibitions, and that is a fact. Quote, I don't think that any harm comes from the concentration of powers in one's hands. And I believe in pure democracy, the purity being unmediated, unfiltered public opinion empowered even to overturn state court decisions by referendums. And I would go further. The problem with this, of course, is what? We've talked about it. Populism run amok undermines the Declaration of Independence and our Republican principles. Lowercase are Republican principles. That's why I'll never be a populist. The framers of the Constitution feared purer democracy as much as they feared monarchy. Read the Declaration. It talks about unalienable rights. Rights that you're born with. They're not conferred by a democracy. They're not rejected by a democracy. They're God-given. They're God-given. And so the question is, what kind of government, subsequently, once you embrace these principles and acknowledge them and reason them, what kind of government do you set up to promote them, to enshrine them, through which they can be manifested? And that is a Republican constitutional government, not a populist government. You don't want your neighbors voting on your unalienable rights any more than you want the whole nation voting on your unalienable rights. But we'll get into that in a minute. So this galvanized Taft's determination to resist Roosevelt in the name of judicial independence. Taft had vetoed the legislation admitting New Mexico and Arizona to statehood because of their uh, constitutions provided for the recall of judicial decisions. Arizona removed this quintessentially populist provision, then restored it once safety, safely inside the Union. Of course, there is such a thing as judicial tyranny. I've written about that in Men in Black as well. What's the answer to that? I don't believe in electing judges in and out. But I do believe in term limits for judges. Taft correctly compared Roosevelt to the first populist president whose portrait would be hung in the Oval Office in 2017 by a populist president, that is, Andrew Jackson. Taft said there is a decided similarity between Andrew Jackson and Roosevelt. He had the same disrespect for law when he felt the law stood between him and what he thought was right to do. The 1912 strife between conservative and progressive populist Republicans simmered until Ronald Reagan's election in 1980 sealed conservatism ascendancy in the party. This lasted 36 years until it was supplanted by its antithesis, populism, 104 years after Taft resisted Roosevelt. This, for a while, prevented Americans from having only a populist Republican party to oppose a progressive Democratic party, an echo, not a choice. This is where Will goes off the rails. When I met with the, the president, what, six months ago, five months ago, and I wasn't scheduled to meet with him, I was asked to meet with the vice president, and the president heard that I was there, and the vice president told me that I would be visiting with the president, and I visited with the president. It was a wonderful meeting with both men, who I respect enormously, both of them. I'll tell you, I told you before what I said to the president. You're not a conservative by philosophy. 
but you do a lot of conservative things. I don't see Trump doing a lot of quote-unquote populist things. He may use populist rhetoric, but I don't see him doing a lot of populist things. He's not strengthening the antitrust division of the Justice Department. You might say, well, what about tariffs? Those are not necessarily populist. Those can just be bad economic policy, depending on what kind of tariffs you have, what countries you're applying them to, the reason you're applying them, and so forth and so on. I generally, strongly oppose them, except when we're dealing with our enemies. That's a whole other story. But Canada is not our enemy, and so forth and so on. China is. And we even have export controls in place at Commerce and at State to make sure that these regimes cannot get cutting-edge technologies and so forth. But the president has shown himself to be much more Republican, lowercase Republican, not political party, than populist. Indeed, if George Will were writing this in a more objective fashion, he would point out that the Republican Party is more of a progressive party under McConnell, and despite his propaganda under Paul Ryan, The things that they're doing, this massive spending bill, that's what they presented to the president. He should have vetoed it, but that's what they presented to him. The open borders, so forth and so on, which he opposes. That the Republican Party, the establishment, is far more progressive than Trump is populist. Let me repeat that. The Republican Party is far more progressive, that is statist, statist, than Donald Trump is populist in my opinion. And this is the problem, folks, that's going on here, this battle that took place between Taft and Roosevelt. Well, that's the problem. The two conservative, constitutional conservative presidents, as far as I'm concerned, in the last hundred years, Coolidge and Reagan, not Taft, Taft would be more, in my view, of a Gerald Ford type. But the two real conservatives were Coolidge and Reagan. Doesn't mean you agree with them 100%. Doesn't mean they were perfect. I'm not aware that anyone's perfect. But they were excellent in trying to stem the tide. You should read what Calvin Coolidge said about the Declaration of Independence, completely rejecting what Woodrow Wilson had said before. And again, I have both those speeches in Rediscovering Americanism, too. When John McCain says that Theodore Roosevelt is his model of a great president, John McCain is embracing progressivism, or was, when he was active in the Senate. By the way, may I, may I, uh, a footnote on this. I'm reading that the governor of Arizona is contemplating appointing Cindy McCain to replace John McCain. First of all, I've never seen so much talk when somebody is facing such a difficult time, an end time, an HBO documentary, a book, some interviews, settling scores, talk about his wife replacing. I've never seen anything like this. Have you, Mr. Producer? Mr. Producer is sleeping. There's something quite wrong about this, in my view. There's something untoward to me about this. 
Maybe it's just me, but it seems to me when, if, if in fact you know that your time is limited on this earth, you spend your time contemplating about your life, contemplating about the future, contemplating about your family. But that, not so much media. I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just shocked by this, quite frankly. It doesn't have to be McCain, it could be anybody. But now there's talk that the governor is going to appoint his wife. His wife's a big lip. No offense. So that's what you'll get. Anyway, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Taylor, Milwaukee, Wisconsin on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I was just calling uh, to make the point that, at least from a layperson's perspective, it seems appropriate to refer to this person as a spy as opposed to a confidential informant, because what you're looking at is a counterintelligence investigation as opposed to a criminal investigation, and a person who has long and deep ties to the intelligence community and so, I mean, I think it's true that, yes, the FBI does use confidential informants, quote-unquote, a lot, but typically most of, or a lot of what they're doing is conducting criminal investigations. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems to me like, you know, maybe this is a distinction without a difference, but when you're looking at a, a counterintelligence investigation and someone who's worked with our intelligence community before, it just makes natural sense to refer to him as a spy. Well, you're right, but the media doesn't believe that. So they go on and on, day in and down, pretend it's not what it is. It is what it is. Right, so the, I, problem, the problem isn't that it's not you and me. The problem's them. Yeah, I agree. And the problem is also people like Marco Rubio who... I agree. You know, I mean, it's just a total disgrace that this guy goes on TV, and not only does he not defend the president, he's essentially trashing him just the same as Adam Schiff and all these other... Why do you, what do you think's motivating him? It's not the first time either. You know, when this uh, uh, McCabe was on the way out the door, uh, and by the way, as it turns out, on the advice of the career ethics investigators within the FBI and within the Justice Department, in fact, they made a criminal referral... Rubio didn't think he was treated well because he might lose his pension, which, of course, he's not. What, what was that all about? Uh, I mean, what, is, what kind of politics is that? I don't even know what he's doing. I, I, it seems to me like he's probably his feelings are still hurt from what Trump was saying about him in the campaign. And, you know, he can't put his personal he's putting his personal feelings ahead of what's good for the country and for our party and well i don't know about that but uh, i'd like an explanation because it's not particularly rational from him we'll be back this is the nation's town hall meeting and you can join in at 877-381-3811 You know, folks, I've been waiting to tell you about this. I've been waiting to tell you about this. Way too much of the day I'm sitting down. Way too much of the day I'm sitting down. When I do this broadcast, I'm sitting down. When I do my Fox show, 
I'm sitting down. When I do Levin TV, I'm sitting down. When I write my books, I'm sitting down. Now, I try to get a little exercise here and there. I try to walk around here and there. I have never, ever had the right chair. I'll be honest with you. I've bought chairs from office supply stores. I bought chairs from warehouse stores. They either break or I'm uncomfortable with them. And finally, I found the chair. I'm sitting in it right now. I tried this chair out on Friday. I went to the store, tried the chair out on Friday. I'm sitting in it right now. Maybe I should take a picture of it and send it to Mr. Bedouz to put up tomorrow. Yes. Now, my favorite place to sit. In my car? On the couch in my living room? No, actually, it's now at my desk. Since I have my amazing new X3 chair. It arrived. Now, they're a wonderful new sponsor, but they were not a wonderful new sponsor until I tried the chair and made sure that I liked it. And we've had other companies approach us, and I've said no. I'm telling you, and remember... I have this bad disc in my back, or I did. It's been removed. Now I just have bone on bone, so I have to be very careful about this. It's incredibly comfortable. I'm sitting in it right now as I do this broadcast. The X3 from X-Chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture, but it is luxuriously comfortable. It molds itself to my body giving me ideal posture, which in turn gives me more energy, better concentration, more productivity than I ever thought possible, which means same for you. Don't waste another day in that generic chair you've been using. Get an X3 office chair. You'll feel the difference. It has many, many changes that you can make to this chair. In the lumbar area, the head area, the neck area, the tuchus area, your feet, your legs, the whole thing. A whole thing. Now, and by the way, if you own a small business, you should get them for the entire office. See how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they'll become as a result. But I want each of you to listen to me. I'm telling you this chair, it's like I told you about the Casper mattress. I've told you about my pillow. I've been looking for a chair like this for years. I've got it, and I want you to get one too. So here's the special deal just for you, my listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. Go right now, and you'll get $100 off. That's xchairlevin.com, or we have a special toll-free number. Ready? 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. 1-844, the digit 4, X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. It's a beautiful chair. It's a stylish chair. And for me, it is the most comfortable chair I've ever sat at at this desk. And I've been doing this for 15 years. So go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. Go now, use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, footrest, and get a free footrest, okay? So you'll not only get 100 bucks off, you use code LEVIN, Footrest, and you'll get a free footrest, and you'll see how those work too. I'm telling you, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable when you're sitting at your desk, whether it's at home, whether it's at work. 
And it's a perfect gift for somebody else. I'm telling you, I'm going to take a picture of this in the next 48 hours. Mr. Producer is going to put it up on my social sites. Just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. Also say Levin Footrest. And then you'll get all you need to get. I am excited about this sponsor because I am sitting in this chair and I am loving it. Don't I sound energetic today, Mr. Producer? Very energetic today. Well, this is one of the reasons. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the left-wing goons and kooks all over TV, they get their the little marching orders, their talking points, and they spew the same thing. You'll recall there was a period of time when we were supposed to believe that Donald Trump hated all women and abused all women. Then there was a period of time we were supposed to believe he was mentally ill. And they kept talking about the 25th Amendment. And there have been other, other character assassination and smear efforts. It's as if they all talk to each other and they get their talking points. And now it is, of course, that he is a liar, a serial liar. He cannot be depended on. He cannot be relied on. And that, they're hoping, will really stick. So when he gets into the next election, that is the midterm election, you won't believe anything he says. Of course, they never said this about Obama, about keeping your doctor or keeping your health care plan, or the plan won't cost, you actually uh, cut it by $2,500. Now, there's a serial liar. Or the Iran deal, there's your serial liar, Obama. Or DACA, there's your serial liar, Obama, and on and on and on, Obama, serial liar. But did they ever call Obama a liar? Ever? Did they ever say he was mentally ill? No. Did they ever call him a domestic terrorist, despite the fact that he hung out with domestic terrorists? No, not once. How dare you make such a comment about him? Yet the attacks on Trump are unrelenting. And it's acceptable, and I'm not accepting it. It's acceptable out there because they keep it up. Well, I don't accept it. Take this clown, this putz, this nobody, this footnote to nothing, Jim Himes, H-I-M-E-S. From Connecticut. Cut six. Go. So when when the sometimes oh, and the uh, female's voice is Allison Camerata, who used to work for Fox. Now she's at CNN and she quickly uh, genuflected and she's a left wing kook. Go ahead. So when when the, sometimes the president, Oy. as we know, floats these conspiracy theories as sort of trial balloons to see what's what sticks. What conspiracy theories, you idiot? He took it right out of The New York Times. No conspiracy theory. Can't you think for yourself, Allison? Go. The election meddling that he says is to come is, ah, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't. Some of these things end up without any evidence, like the spying that he's claiming end up sort of petering out. Listen to her, her dripping sarcasm, and what it is is dripping stupidity. They hate this word spy because it's the perfect word. It's the perfect word. They had a spy. Oh, the so-called spy. Spy. It's confidential human resource. It's not a spy. And we know this at CNN because we're so smart over here at CNN. Go ahead. What do Democrats do about things like this and how to deflect the president's accusations? You see, you see she's asking, come on, you got to help us, Himes. 
if that is your name. You got to help us here. What should the Democrats do to fight Trump and deflect this? Uh, go ahead. Call him something sick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Allison, it's sort of it's more ominous than that, right? It's not so, like something sticks or it doesn't stick. Look, the president yes, yes. three or four yes. times a day simply makes stuff up and lies about things. The, the, the no, he doesn't. Is- he didn't make anything up and lie about it. He told the truth. You nitwit. Go ahead. That he's got a hardcore uh, group of followers who, oh. as he so famously put Stop. it. Stop. So there's something wrong with you folks. Don't you understand? There's something wrong with you. You're a hardcore group of followers. You use the word spy. Don't use the word spy. You're all hung up on the FISA warrant. Don't, don't be hung up on the FISA warrant. You don't like Jim Comey. Jim Comey's a good guy. We hated him before, but we love him now. You know, we, we Clintonoids with our hemorrhoids. Yes. Go ahead. If you shot somebody on Fifth Avenue and a significant percentage of them are running shot around. somebody on fifth avenue i thought that was a bernie sanders supporter who shot somebody at a baseball park in alexandria virginia i think he shot scalise among others is this funny i don't think it's funny go ahead saying oh my god they're rigging the next election now um, you know, this is part of Donald Trump's overall uh, project. You're not he- rigging the next election where you're trying to attack the Electoral College, where you're trying to allow illegal aliens to vote or other people who are not supposed to be voting by dumbing down our state election rules and laws. Well, what's that for if you don't want people to vote who aren't supposed to vote? You moron. Go ahead. Mize. Not just the FBI with the insane theory that the people who work there are somehow driven by the former president. Nobody said the people who work there are somehow driven by the former president. But the former president did appoint the upper echelon of the FBI and they worked for him. And we had the unmasking and we had the FISA application and we had the human resource uh, informant. We had all this stuff going on, Congressman. Go ahead. Behavior of the FBI during the election. and of Ah, course- shut up, you idiot. You make us all dumber just listening, you drone on. Then we got this guy Swalwell. The hell does that mean, Swalwell? Swalwell? Eric Swalwell. Eric is not well. Democrat in California. This guy's everywhere. Who the hell is he? What the hell has he done? Except walking the walls. Eric Swalwell, Democrat, California. He's on MSNBC. Gee, I wonder why they asked him to show up. Cut five, go. Our democracy has been under assault from the Russians over the last few years, but now there's a new front, and that's from Donald Trump and his enablers in Congress. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. You're just like the Russians. You're a new front. You're a new front. Now, of course, the Democrats have loved the Russians. The Democrats love the Russians. John Dewey loved the Russians. The Soviets. Big time progressive. The progressives love the Russians. The early progressives, the later progressives. They thought they were swell till they then realized, wait a minute, they're turning on us. Alger Hiss. Democrat party apparatchik, but a spy for the Russians. Spy, uh, excuse me, a confidential informant for the Russians. Then we had Ted Kennedy, who actually colluded and conspired with the Kremlin to try and defeat Reagan, as our dear friend Professor Paul Kengor has written over and over again. No matter how many times he writes it, the left-wing media won't read it. 
Ted Kennedy, was he a human resource informant? He may have been. Where's Bob Mueller when you need him? May I call you Bob? Uh, then we have uh, all kinds of Democrats colluding, conspiring, supporting Soviet satellites. Cuba, or as they say uh, in Kennedy world, Cuba. Uh, we also had them, uh, Cranston of California. There was another one for 24 years, that bobblehead. Bernie Sanders, that schmuck. He has his honeymoon with his beautiful wife in Moscow. There's collusion. We don't have any dossier on him, do we? No, apparently not. Apparently not. There's even more. You got Diane Frankenfeinstein and her husband making a fortune off communist China. Anybody? No. Joe Biden's son making a fortune off... No. Kerry's stepson making a fortune off China. Anyone get... No. We don't care. We got these Trump supporters. You know, they're just like the Russians. They're the problem, you know. Go ahead. Play that right at the feet of Paul Ryan. He has allowed his chairman of the intelligence committee, Devin Nunes, to undermine the Time to get Devin Nunes, ladies and gentlemen. Devin Nunes, a hero, patriot. As opposed to this backbencher, this guy, uh, Swalwell. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College, baby. Good news, folks. Hillsdale College is offering their free online Constitution 101 course again, but only for a limited time. So you need to register right away at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Hillsdale is the authority on teaching the Constitution. You can take the course based on the same curriculum that Hillsdale students use, taught by the same amazing professors. Close to 1 million people have registered, and if you haven't, you really should. Now's the time. Now, I know this research I'm about to share with you doesn't apply to my listeners, but did you know one in three Americans can't name a single right protected by the First Amendment? The First Amendment? Only 25% can name all three branches of government, but get this, 33% can't name any branch of the government, not even one. Now, we need to help make sure our fellow Americans understand not just those facts, but our constitutional rights, too. Constitution 101 provides you the perfect overview. So please register right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You'll even get a free pocket constitution just for signing up. And you have to know liberty to defend liberty. And that's what Hillsdale College is all about. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Let's take a call, shall we? Vito, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM. Go. Yeah. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Okay, Vito. How are you? All right. So I have a problem with the word informant because yes. an informant is somebody that has either become involved in criminal activity, got caught, and wants to get out of that activity, or somebody that at least have some kind of knowledge of nefarious or illegal activity already going on and would not... An informant is somebody who's already there. I think that's your point. Like, for instance, an informant for the mob is somebody who's participated in all this stuff, and he then turns against 
his former uh, criminal colleagues and informs on them with the authorities. That's an informant. A spy is somebody who, if you want to be technical about it, who is placed in or who becomes familiarized with a, an environment or, let's say, a campaign and provides information uh, to the government uh, based on the sorts of things that this spy did. He tried to uh, ingratiate himself with certain individuals he hadn't known, get information, uh, and try and set them up. The key is they keep using the word informant because there would be criminal activity already proceeding. Not looking no, 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 no. You know, this is a counterintelligence investigation. It's not a criminal investigation, which is why I'm trying to say they're using informant the wrong way. Informant, you can use in either, but particularly in a criminal investigation, like I just explained. A spy... When you think of a spy, you don't normally think of the mob or something like that. You think of a counterintelligence investigation. And that's exactly what this guy was, a spy. Sir, he was not an informant. I agree with you. Yes, sir. All right, Vito. Take care of yourself, brother. Let us go to Mark. Portland, Oregon, the great KUFO. Go. Yeah, Mr. Levine. Hey, it's Levine, but you can call me Mark. Go right ahead. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, to build on your last conversation, yes, sir. Uh, defining a spy, I think the word you're looking for to help in this conversation, I haven't heard it yet, is active measures. It's an old spying term. Actually, I'm not looking for any words, but what does active measures get us? Well, active measures, that's a, a spying term. Yeah, what does it get they, us? Uh, for example, we're, we're using nouns. He is a fill-in-the-blank. He can't be an active measure. Active measure is something you do. So the debate is over informant or spy. And by the way, the debate is among the media fools, not not with people like us. It's obvious the guy's a spy. True. Go uh, ahead, sir. Yeah, you're. Yep, you're exactly right. It's just yep. uh, the word active measure helps to. Uh, Define the noun. You know yeah. what a spy is. Well, I think you're right. Mark, thanks for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, So Joy Reid has some very vicious homophobic tweets in her past, which I'm sure Shep Smith will be pointing out tomorrow and demanding her resignation as a homophobe. That's at least what I think he will do, being consistent and all. But Joy Reid was on with uh, Andrea Mitchell today on MSLSD, and we all know what an intrepid, objective, old-time serious reporter Andrea Mitchell is. But this exchange was actually quite weird. The question was actually quite weird, given the fact that Joy Reid is still employable, despite her tweets. I'm just trying to be consistent. We believe in equality, do we not? Cut 11, go. And then I want to also ask you about, uh, 
it's hard to believe, but Roseanne Barr, and she has been tweeting uh, uh, outrageous things, but she tweeted about the Obama administration and Valerie Jarrett and uh, made a, a really horrendous comment about Valerie Jarrett. Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, VJ, meaning Valerie Jarrett. Now she has apologized to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans, saying, I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me. My joke was in bad taste. Uh, I mean, what do you have to do on social media to get fired from a top-rated show on Now, that's precious. So what do you have to do, Joy? Uh, how about your homophobic tweets or vicious, nasty tweets at the former governor of, uh, of Florida, among others? What do you have to do to get fired on our network, Joy? Well, that wasn't the question exactly. Go ahead. Network? Well, I mean, in the apology, I think the end her looks part is the part that stands out to me because essentially Roseanne is admitting that the Planet of the Apes part of that joke it was not about her politics, it was about her appearance and the sort of bestializing of black people. Look, we saw people making gorilla and ape jokes about Michelle Obama, the first lady of the United States. It was common. It was Googleable all over social media. It's, it, it's a place that people go when talking about black people and it goes back centuries. And so I think, you know, that was a very telling part of the apology. You've now seen Wanda Sykes walk away from the show, a uh, black comedian who was one of the head writers on the show. It, it's fraught because I think for a lot of Roseanne's fans who now are really sort of in a big Venn diagram with Trump fans. By the way, this comedian Sykes is a very nasty human being too. Her vicious personal attacks on certain individuals she doesn't agree with either. But it We'll continue with Joy because we're very, very fascinated by Joy Reid's uh, analysis of Roseanne Barr. Maybe we should ask Roseanne Barr about Joy Reid. Don't get me wrong. I don't care for either. Go ahead. This is no big deal. This is something that you should be able to say. Why can't you say it? It's just jokes. Why are people uh, taking it to heart? That's part of the problem. Is that well, you're most of us are not taking it to heart. Don't project on the rest of us. Most of us are repulsed by it. Most of us are repulsed by what you've said, what Farrakhan has said, by so many people, what they've said. The reason why this is now a news story is because Roseanne Barr was a top-rated show. And she came back. A lot of Trump supporters, the president and others, were very excited about it because she'd been very supportive of the president. Now this happened, and the left is, is seizing on it. This is not a, 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 she's an actress, for crying out loud. This goes every day, on and on, every hour, on and on and on and on. Seriously. I got it. We all understand it. Really, we do. We're not stupid. And we also understand the hypocrisy. We really do. Farrakhan, he's still out there, the Jew hater. The deputy chairman of the DNC was part of that operation. He can't run from it. He is what he is. And there's others. What do you want us to do about it? How can we do about it? Nothing. So why are we getting hit with this day in and day out? Because you don't understand. America needs sensitivity training. Excuse me? Yeah, oh yeah, America. And who better to tell us than Joy Reid? Go ahead. People who feel that you should be able to speak this way. And unfortunately, you know, we have a president. Most at the people moment. do not believe you should be able to speak this way. So who are you talking about? What are you talking about? You, Miss Anti-Gay Tweeter. 
What are you talking about? And what's this idiot Andrea Mitchell throwing you a question like this for? Next thing you know, they'll be asking Sharpton. Go ahead. Kind of giving a broad sense of permission to not be politically correct, to speak the way you want, to offend who you want. You know, listen to this claptrap. Who is she talking about who thinks you should be able to just do this sort of thing and talk? Who is she talking about? Trump and the Trump supporters? Yes, you. The left hates you. The left hates you. That's why this is a nonstop story. Go ahead. Shouldn't have a right to say it. Matter of fact, forget it. I can't take it anymore. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to spying. Spying. Did he say spying? I said spying. Because that's what the Obama administration did. And by the way, it's not the first. There's a great piece over at Newsbusters by our buddy Jeffrey Lord. And he reminds us how Democrats like to spy on Republican candidates. And he points out uh, the spying that took place in 1964. He says it helps to have been around at the time of the Johnson-Goldwater election in 1964. He says, but I was an eager beaver eighth grader from a Republican family who wonderfully, uh, who wonderfully ignorant about the history of the American left, crusaded in my own fashion for LBJ. To my parents' eye-rolling, head-shaking resignation. I didn't know that about you, Jeff. The GOP nominee, the Mr. Conservative, Arizona Senator Barry Goldwater, was taking all kinds of flack of a type I would later come to understand in vivid fashion. Meaning the way he was trashed on CNN. The media of the day was ripe with suggestion that the libertarian Goldwater was a racist. Horrifically untrue, and but of course, had an affection For Nazis, he did, which, of course, he never did. Indeed, the very week Goldwater was nominated in San Francisco, CBS's Daniel Shore went on the air with a report that once the GOP convention was over, Goldwater would be starting his campaign in Bavaria, center of Germany's right wing. Where specifically in Bavaria? Why? But, of course, Hitler's one-time stomping ground. The story was false from beginning to end. Goldwater wasn't going to Germany, much less to Hitler's one-time stomping ground, particularly insulting attack on a man who was not simply a senator and presidential nominee, but who had served as a U.S. Army Air Force pilot in World War II, later retiring with the rank of Major General. Be that as it may, CBS had said it uh, it was so until it was clear it wasn't. Goldwater was still fuming about the media characterization of him, as some sort of Nazi decades later when writing his memoirs. But there was another story from the 1964 campaign. And it comes to mind as the media go crazy over the Trump charge that the FBI and CIA were busy implanting spies in his campaign. Spygate, as the branding president has named it. None other than the redoubtable Dr. Lee Edwards. Now of the Heritage Foundation, but in 1964, a Goldwater staffer and later the senator's biographer has stepped forward to remind, not for the first time, that in 1964, America, in fact, had a president who was using both the FBI and the CIA to spy on his opponent. And he wrote about it in the Wall Street Journal. And the piece was called The FBI Spied for LBJ's Campaign. On the president's orders... 
the Bureau wiretapped Barry Goldwater's plane and headquarters. In 1971, Robert Mardian, who had been a regional director in the Goldwater campaign, became, in the Nixon administration, Assistant Attorney General for Internal Security. During a two-hour briefing with Hoover, Mardian asked about the procedures for electronic surveillance. To Mardian's amazement, Hoover confessed that in 1964, the FBI had wired the Goldwater campaign plane under orders from the White House. When Mardian asked Hoover why he had complied, the director answered, you do what the president tells you to do. That would be the late, great LBJ in the Great Society. In a later conversation with Mardian, William C. Sullivan, the Bureau's number two man, verified the FBI's spying operation against the Goldwater campaign. In a 1992 interview, Mardian told me that Sullivan was appalled at LBJ's partisan use of the Bureau. President Johnson also legally ordered the FBI to conduct security checks of Goldwater Senate staff. Carther Deke DeLoach, the FBI's liaison with the White House and a top aide to Director J. Edgar Hoover, denied at a 1975 congressional hearing that the Bureau had investigated Goldwater's staff. But through the Freedom of Information Act, I obtained copies, that is Edwards, I obtained copies of FBI memoranda detailing the results of the Bureau's illegal file check of 15 Senate staffers. No derogatory information was located concerning any of the people in Goldwater's Senate staff stated one memo that bore Deloach's initials. This is Edwards. Former intelligence officer E. Howard Hunt, best known for his role as an orchestrator of the Watergate bugging, told a Senate committee in 1973 that his CIA superior had ordered him to infiltrate the Goldwater campaign. Hunt claimed to have questioned the order, only to be told that it had been a personal request of President Johnson and that the information he recovered would be delivered to the White House aide. CIA Director William Colby confirmed the White House's role in the illegal surveillance while addressing a congressional hearing in 1975 that the CIA is prohibited by law from operating within the U.S. didn't matter to the Johnson campaign. The Goldwater people never suspected that one of them was a spy for the Democrats. So LBJ used the FBI and CIA to spy, to eavesdrop, to wiretap on Goldwater. Now question, writes Jeffrey Lord. Where was the liberal media in 1964 on this hot story? Answer, all too predictably, exactly nowhere. Not a peep of this made the liberal media the day, much less did this explode into a massive scandal along the lines of what Dr. Edwards once called, quite accurately, Johnson's Watergate. Why? The liberal media of the day was the only media of the day. Be that as it may, the fact that a president would use the FBI and CIA to spy on his opponents is established. With that in mind, Where are the liberal media feeding frenzy on this news from, yes, not 1964, but today? Fox News, but of course, has done its due diligence. The jewel of their story says in part, a top Senate Republican is challenging the Justice Department over extensive redactions made in files showing text messages between anti-Trump FBI officials Peter Stroke and Lisa Page. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley 
drew particular attention to one text that suggested Obama White House is running this, quote-unquote, in reference to an unspecified investigation. But like in so many of the files, a name was redacted and the content was unclear, though one report suggests that was related to the Russian probe. In a letter sent Wednesday to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein last week, Grassley called for all redactions to be removed. The manner in which some redactions have been used cast doubts on whether the remaining redactions are necessary and defensible, Grassley wrote. Then there are also the texts from Lisa Page on September 2, 2016, which said to her lover Stroke that POTUS wants to know everything we're doing. POTUS, of course, is an acronym for President of the United States. And the media reaction here? Ho-hum. Here's a central fact, a fact that Dr. Edwards', Edwards reminder raises and should raise. America has always had a president who used the FBI and CIA to spy on his political opponent. And the media of the day, that is LBJ, and the media of the day had not the slightest curiosity then or later to investigate. No, there was no such thing as Fox News or even cable news at the time, much less talk radio and the Internet, which makes it all the more curious. Make that predictable. Why the mainstream media of the day didn't investigate LBJ's abuse of the FBI and CIA for political purposes. That being the case, this reminder of events from Dr. Edwards should serve as a prod for today's media to take a hard look at these texts from the FBI's star-crossed anti-Trump-hating lovers Stroke and Page that pose the obvious question that President Obama was once famously asked by President, the late Tennessee Senator Howard, uh, uh, Howard Baker during Watergate. The question for Obama, and I've asked this many times, as you know, what did the president know and when did he know it? We are justifiably suspicious. We can be. That the reason for all the bureaucratic foot dragging by the Justice Department and the FBI today is nothing more than a stall, a slow walking obstruction to get past a supposed blue wave election, which Democrats will supposedly take charge and remove the power to investigate from the Devin Nunes's and Charles Grassley's of the House and Senate, effectively shutting the investigation of Spygate down. And with a compliant media cheering them on in a campaign of silence surrounding any serious investigation into a possible abuse of the FBI and CIA by the Obama White House, not at all unlike the media silence that surrounded the LBJ use of the FBI and CIA to spy on the 1964 Barry Goldwater campaign. President Lyndon Obama, one way or another, the American people have a right to know. And the media have an obligation to report the truth. Lisa, Peaksville, New York's Peekskill, rather, of the great WABC. Go. Yes, Mark. Hi. I just wanted to call in just to comment on how hypocritical all the liberals are about their comments. Well, go ahead. You know, it's it's okay to slander Malaya and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and shoes and this, that, the other thing. Oh, but you can't criticize Valerie Jarrett. You can't criticize anybody else. It's the way you do it. It's the way you do it. You don't use... um, language that stirs up uh you know that 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 picks at scabs language that is that is racist in origin you know you can criticize valerie jarrett but you got to do it on substance 
Like, wasn't she born in Iran? <laughs> okay, that's fine. But uh, right. you don't do it based on looks and using stereotypes that have long, been long attacked. The uproar about Melania and Susan Huckabee Sanders. Well, I'm not justifying any of that. I think it's outrageous, too, as you know. But look, people are held to different standards. If you're a left-wing comic and your name is Stephen Colbert, you can say almost anything. Right. Uh, if you're a left-wing person in the media, you can say almost anything. That is unfortunately the world that we live in today. I keep bringing up Joy Reid. I brought her up when nobody else was bringing her up. I don't know how she gets away with what she, she tweeted. And then she lies about it, says somebody hacked into her system. Nobody hacked into her system. Nobody believes that for two minutes. And yet there she is. It says everybody forgot about it. It just goes on exactly. and on and on. Farragon is the biggest uh, vile, poisonous Jew hater out there. You will not see the Democrat Party reject the guy. In fact, they pick as their number two guy at the RNC, Keith X, a.k.a. Keith Ellison, who has strong <laughs> ties to Farragon and his hate, despite his, his subsequent lies trying to cover it up. He's not gone. He's still there. That's my only point. I'll be right back. This is Liberty's 911 Hotline. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. During the break, I admit this, I'm watching President Trump in a rally in Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful city. And I'm listening to him. The way he speaks, what he says, and I'm going to tell you something. It's invigorating. That's right. It's invigorating. And this is why the liberals hate him. He communicates with people. He communicates with average, and by that I don't mean intellectually or physically, average, the people of the United States. He communicates with us in plain English. He doesn't buy into this. Praetorian Guard media. He doesn't make buddies with the media. He doesn't buy in to the Republican establishment. He's invigorating. And so much of what he's doing, we agree with. Look, I supported Ted Cruz in the primary process. And I like Ted Cruz. And I think he would have been a great president. But Donald Trump has been outstanding. No, I don't agree on every single thing. So damn what? He has been outstanding. And we should admit it. We should admit it. We should rally around this guy. He's taking all this incoming, quite frankly, because of us. It's not the tweets. They hate him. They hate what he's doing. They hate him because he's not Obama. They hate him because he's not a surrender Republican. They hate him because he calls them out by individual names. They hate him because they hate us. And I'm listening to him and I'm watching him. It's not because all of a sudden those of us who worked for Reagan and voted for Reagan, a guy like me, likes dictators. How has he been a dictator? Name one way. 
Now, I can give you many ways that Obama was a dictator. And I can give you many ways that the left likes dictators. This is a president who's actually been very faithful to the Constitution and the rule of law. Very. This is a president, unlike the Obamas, who won't make millions and millions and millions of dollars when he leaves office. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need it. He won't need jobs with Netflix. He and his wife won't need a $65 million book deal. He won't need to cozy up to Hollywood and to Manhattan and all the rest of it. And when he's gone, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him a lot. Because we don't see a fighter like this often in our lives, do we? And that's what they hate. He will not surrender. He will not give up. He will not play their game. That's what I see. That's what I hear. He just won't. And I don't care if he offends the sensibilities of those who are evilly offend- easily offended. We have a lot of people who need safe spaces in the conservative movement, such as it is these days. <coughs> and they're embarrassed. Well, I'm embarrassed by them. Anyway, let me tell you about my ID care. More than one million children became victims of identity theft in 2017. And families paid $540 million out of pocket to cover the cost of the fraud. Kids' identities are worth tons on the black market. Thieves open accounts, and this is why. Parents don't find out for years. Often when they apply for financial aid for college, it's horrific. Now, with school and medical records now digitized and even young kids routinely online, the risk is growing faster than ever. But you don't need to worry. You can protect your family right now with My ID Care. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, including child ID theft, with great family plans. And they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. Now that's the difference right there. That's the difference right there between my ID care from the other guys. You need top-tier identity recovery, and they stand by it with their guarantee. You and your kids need protection, and that's why you need my ID care. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark, then promo code mark. Again, myidcare.com slash mark. Promo code Mark. One more time because this is very important. I want you to get it. MyIDCare.com slash Mark. Promo code Mark. So Donald Trump, the way he is attacked, there's something about the left. Let me just use the, the statists, whether they're the media, whether they're the Democrats, whether they're Jeff Flake, people like that, even from time to time, Rubio, you know, people like that. There's something that's bothering them. And I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. Trump refuses to play by their game. He refuses. He refuses. He talks to the American people the way the American people talk to each other, sometimes with passion, 
Sometimes not. Sometimes they write to each other and they have little misspellings. Sometimes they don't. He's not prepackaged like a Mitch McConnell. He doesn't listen to all of his slick advisors like Mitch McConnell. He doesn't do Washington speak like Mitch McConnell. He is a dynamic, charismatic personality that he is. But he actually is advancing a very solid pro-American agenda. Not pro-government agenda, pro-American agenda. And it drives them nuts. Now look, when I have my disagreements with this president, I say so. I don't believe he should have signed that massive spending bill. He should have vetoed it. And I think he's had second thoughts about it himself. And there are other examples. But on the whole, his agenda has been far more conservative than almost every candidate he ran again in the Republican primaries. It's true. It's true. So what's the beef? Well, you've had people who worked in the Bush administration. You've had people who worked in a variety of these campaigns, 16, 17 candidates. You've had people who've been in Washington a long, long time, so long that the pigeons think they're statues and crap on their heads when they walk down the street. I'm telling you. You've got people who are entrenched in Washington in the Republican establishment who've served in prior administrations, who've served in multiple administrations, who work with consultants, who work with think tanks, whomever they are, whatever they are. And they sit down with each other at dinner, probably right now, at the Mayflower Hotel. Or maybe one of the many Hiltons or Marriott's in Washington. They sit down and they conspire and they lament. They're out of power. They have no influence. What shall they do? In fact, they came out very publicly against this man for president of the United States, even in the general election. It's turned out he's been more successful more successful than they ever could have dreamed. More successful. And so they look foolish. They look actually quite stupid, moronic, unintelligent. And they have to fear, what do we do about this? What do we do? I know what we'll do. We never trump it. We will, we will collude and conspire with billionaires on the left. That's what we'll do to take out this president. We'll, we'll find a candidate to run against him in the Republican primary. Who do we have? We have Jeff Flake. Well, we'll find another Kasich. Our man Kasich, you know, the guy with the tick, who's over with his neck. Whatever. We'll find one. All we need to do is pull enough votes from him. It doesn't matter if a left-wing kook like Kamala Harris becomes president. Because we'll be back stronger than ever. Oh, we will. We'll take it back. We'll find our next Romney. I mean, wait a minute. Didn't he lose? Yes. Oops. Well, find our next McCain. What? Didn't he lose? Yeah, yeah he lost. Uh, I don't think he won. Well, you know what you mean. You know, we'll find our next guy to rally around. And we'll take the Republican Party back. Now, many of these people don't know a damn thing about the Republican Party. They don't know a damn thing about the base. They've never done anything with the base. They don't know anything. But don't worry. Don't worry. They know. And... We got to stop Trump at all costs. Well, look what he's doing with the judges outstanding. Doesn't matter. 
Look what he's doing with our allies. Look what he's done with Israel. Doesn't matter. Look, he's trying to secure the border. It's national. Doesn't matter. He's building up the military. He's defending law enforcement. Doesn't matter. Our egos, our narcissism is more important. And so they join in with these left wing. The perfect example of this, the quintessential example of this would be Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. Here's a man who is a failed politician in Congress a couple of terms, a backbencher who won a heavily Republican district in the panhandle of Florida. Then he goes sideways in his own personal life and other things. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. But in, in any event, he wants to be a radio host. Utterly and completely fails. Then he wants to be a TV host. He goes to Roger Ailes and Fox. He wants to, is my understanding. They don't want him. Then we have this MSNBC. They'll take him, but of course, he has to be a Stormy Daniels. Otherwise, they're not going to take him. You know what I mean. So they take him. And there he is. The, they even named the show after the Morning Joe. You know, a playoff on coffee. Yeah, I'll have my Morning Joe, please. Oh, that Joe. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, not him. And then he's there, and of course, he has his sidekick. Mika Brzezinski of the Brzezinski High Wire Act. And uh, they're flirting on TV all the time. Everybody sees, whoa, 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 what's that all about? Next thing you know, they're going to get married. Oh, congratulations. The guy hates Trump. The gal hates Trump. They used to love him. They used to have him on. He would jack up their ratings. He used to have him on. But then, then... He said something that upset them. Or or their paymasters tapped him on the shoulder and told him to cut it out. So no matter what Trump does, no matter what he wears, no matter what he says, no matter where he goes, they hate him. They hate him. And then they have their, their little panel of sexual harassers and plagiarists, among others, to comment on the President of the United States. And the morning Joe talks like he has a broken jaw and looks like he's from the movie Deliverance. Uh, you know, Elliot, uh, here, uh, we smart guys over here, we just, uh, you know, there's this Trump. Uh, that's right, that's right, Joe, says the Mika. That's, that's, that's right, Joe. Yes, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The Ed McMahon of the show. The Ed McMahon. Perfect example. There's Andrea Mitchell. Andrea Mitchell on MSLSD. When you work for Comcast NBC, the worst place to be is MSNBC. She's been in broadcasting 412 years. And there she is, still a cub reporter, or is a cubette, for MSLSD. Still doing what she always does pushing her left-wing radical agenda and putting a question mark after it to make it sound like she's a news person. But she's not. Look at the conga line of freaks, miscreants, and malcontents on MSLSD and CNN. Look at them. That's journalism right there today. Journalism. A clown show. And they hate Trump. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? In, in a way, I'm glad they do. They're out of the closet. 
They can't pretend to anymore to be objective reporters. That they're not. Right, Jake? Jake Tapper. I'm here to tell the truth. I'm here to catch this print anytime he lies. I'm a lie catcher. That's what I am. And I don't put up with... Uh, shut up, you idiot. Egomaniac. There's Wolf Blitzer. For all I know, he's passed out. He's sitting there. I don't know if the mouse moved. I don't know what's going on with that guy. Wolf Blitzer? The hell names their kid Wolf? Or Blitzer, for that matter. Sounds like he's one of the reindeers. Go, Blitzer. Go. Go. Oh, it's Wolf. And then Don Lemon. Poor, dumb Don Lemon. Thinks he's being attacked because of his race. No, Don, you're being attacked because you're stupid. Trust me. It has nothing to do with the other. Nothing. Then we have Rachel Maddow. I haven't seen any reports on the websites or anything else lately about Rachel Maddow. Yeah, that's pretty good. About her ratings. You know why? Because Sean Hannity has knocked her off the top perch. Week after week after... Why isn't that a marquee headline anywhere? Because they hate him too. Oh, yeah, go after his real estate. Oh, yeah, look at that. Go after him. Get him, get him, get him. Get him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Something in mind, ladies and gentlemen, when the Democrats talk about Trump and liars, their entire ideology is based on a lie. They lie about health care. They lie about Social Security. They lie about Medicare while they're stealing money out of the trust funds. They lie about how they can deliver free college. They're serial liars. Their policies are based on lies. Their lives are based on lies. This is what they do. They lie all the time. Never forget it. Never forget it. You know, you keep getting those invitations in your mailbox. In fact, you may have even already joined. What am I talking about? The AARP. You thought, hey, it's less than 20 bucks a year. They help with insurance plans, travel, and other discounts. It'll pay for itself 10 times over. And so you join. You joined a left-wing lobbying group that spends your hard-earned dues, your dollars, lobbying against what you believe in and stand for. That's why a decade ago, Dan Weber founded AMAC, A-M-A-C. AMAC is also less than 20 bucks a year. AMAC also helps with insurance plans, travel, and other discounts. In fact, there are great benefits and discounts. And AMAC's card will also pay for itself 10 times over. But when you choose AMAC... Your dollars go to support the ideals that you believe in, like protecting our borders, like capitalism, like a strong military. AMAC gets his voice from you, the member. Over a million strong. Join now at AMAC.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Chances are you're going to join an organization when you turn 50, or maybe you've already turned 50, like moi. So choose wisely. Drop the AARP. Don't join the AARP. Join the one that represents you. Join AMAC today. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let me return to this point. It's the Democrats who lie. Lie about everything. It's the Democrats who are mentally ill. Who would push this country over the cliff. It's the Democrats, so many of them, who are sex-crazed perverts. Whoa, what did he say? I'm using their language and their allegations against their leadership and their party. 
Just remember, most of what they say about us defines them. Defines them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back tomorrow. It's already Tuesday. Holy mackerel. I can't wait to be back tomorrow. Please check out Levin TV. It's going to be a great one. And I hope you're well. Keep your chin up. Keep your chin up. We shall overcome. Keep hope alive. Give peace a chance. See you tomorrow. God bless.